This is our second story in two weeks about an unexpected pregnancy. Now, I admit I'm not all that comfortable preaching these stories. Last week, Zechariah was silenced for nine months. He couldn't speak while his wife, Elizabeth, was pregnant. And I think that's a pretty good policy in general, at least when it comes to pregnancy and all that, that maybe men should just be quiet and let women do the talking. But unfortunately, I'm a preacher, and so I have to say something. So with great fear and trembling, here we go. If you were here last week, this story may sound familiar. Once again, we have the angel Gabriel. Once again, he shows up with good news only to to scare the daylights out of someone. Once again, he says, fear not. Once again, he promises a child. And once again, there's a problem. Now here the stories diverge a little bit. For, For Zachariah and Elizabeth, the problem was age. They hadn't been able to have children in their youth, so how in the world were they going to pull that off now? For Mary, it's the other way around. It's that she's a virgin. But either way, the angel Gabriel dismisses the problem with a wave of his angelic hand. With God, nothing is impossible, he says. There are other important differences in the stories. For one thing, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were important leaders. They were pillars in their community, and they lived in Jerusalem, which was the, the center of the Jewish world. Mary, on the other hand, was nobody from nowhere. If Zechariah and Elizabeth were movers and shakers in Charlotte, Mary was a per, poor girl from Hidnight or Brookford. The angel Gabriel really went out of his way to find her. Another difference is what happened when they asked their question. Zechariah gets shushed by Gabriel for nine months for expressing his skepticism about the whole deal. But Gabriel is gentler with Mary. I think it's important to remember Mary was a young girl, maybe 14 years old. And so she asks, how can this be? And I wonder if that question hides a whole bunch of other questions. What will Joseph think? What will my parents think? What will happen to me in town? Will my friends stand by me? Will I be humiliated or worse? What will happen with the pregnancy? Who will, who will help me when my time comes? You say the child will be a king, but what will happen to me? Honestly, my heart aches imagining those questions swirling around the head of a 14-year-old. If Mary wondered about all that, the story doesn't tell us about it. Gabriel says nothing is impossible with God and then waits, waits for Mary to respond. Now, we don't know how long he waited, whether a second or a minute or nine months But finally, Mary spoke, spoke those words that have echoed through the ages. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Let it be. Poet Denise Levertov has written a poem about Mary. It begins like this. We know the scene, the room variously furnished, almost always a lectern, a book, always the tall lily. 
Arrived on solemn grandeur of great wings, the angelic ambassador, standing or hovering, whom she acknowledges a guest. We are told of meek obedience, but no one mentions courage. The engendering spirit did not enter her without consent. God waited. She was free to accept or to refuse, choice integral to humanness. Do you believe that? Was Mary free to choose? Could she have said no to the Annunciation? Maybe that's why Gabriel had to go all the way out to Nazareth to find someone to say yes. But the church has never really entertained that possibility, and the text doesn't leave a lot of room for choice. The angel Gabriel uses mostly imperatives with Mary. Do not be afraid. You will conceive and bear a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. That is a lot of wills. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. There's a reason this is called the Annunciation, not the Negotiation. So maybe Mary wasn't free in the sense that she could opt out. Maybe her part in this story was already written in the stars, but surely she was free in another sense, free to choose how to respond to what's happening to her. You know, sometimes in life, that's the only choice we get. We like to imagine we're free to make all our own choices, free to decide our own destinies, but sometimes life happens to us, and the only freedom we have is how we respond. An unexpected baby, a surprise diagnosis, a relationship heats up or grows cold, the 10-year plan falls to dust. Terrible and wonderful things happen with parents, with kids, with jobs, with the economy, and we don't always get a say in the matter. You know, when angels show up, their first words are almost always, fear not. And I think that might be because when an angel appears, it means a holy disruption is about to happen. Angels don't show up to say, hey, you're doing great and everything's running smoothly, status quo, no notes. No, that's not how it works. When an angel shows up, something is about to happen. Something is about to change. A holy disruption is coming. And we don't like change, even holy change. Many of us, most of us maybe, would rather stay in an unsatisfying status quo than risk the unknown. Maybe Mary couldn't finally stop the holy disruption the angel announced, but she could have made a run for it. She wouldn't have been the first person to try to outrun whatever God was doing. Or she could have stayed put but grown bitter, resentful about the life that had been taken from her, the life that had been forced upon her, or she could have just put her head in the sand and closed her eyes and closed her ears and given up on life and hoped never to be bothered by angels again. But she didn't do any of that. She consented. Let it be. She welcomed the holy disruption with all the mess and uncertainty that went along with it. 
Now, not all disruptions are holy, understand, but she trusted that God was at work in this, and so she allowed joy to find its way into the world in and through her own body. I thought a lot this week about those three little words, let it be. They sounded familiar and not just from the Beatles song. And I went all the way back to Genesis 1, you know, the very first creation story. And in that story, if you go and read it again, you find over and over God says some version of let it be. Let there be light. Let there be a dome. Let the waters be gathered. Let there be lights in the dome. Let the waters bring forth. Let the earth bring forth. Let us make humankind in our image. Seven times God calls out to creation, let it be. And seven times creation answers back, not with words, of course, but with, with joyful abundance. That's how creation happens. That's how God gets things done. God calls and creation responds, let it be. And here we are ages and ages later, and again God is creating, again God is calling, and Mary, one of God's creatures, has a voice, and so she echoes back, let it be. And a joyful possibility begins to take shape in her. This is how God creates. This is how God always creates. And so the question is, is God creating anything new here and now among us? I'm not saying any of us faces quite what Mary faced, but I am saying that God is still creating. I am saying that angels are still on the loose. I am saying that holy disruptions are happening all around us. And the question is, how do we respond? I don't know what disruptions may be on the horizon for you right now. Maybe everything is comfy and settled, and so the last thing you expect, the last thing you want is for an angel to show up and turn everything on its head. But with jobs and schools and parents and kids, with relationships that heat up and cool down, with health that ebbs and flows, with a world that seems more wondrous and strange by the day, with a faith that never quite lets us settle down, I think there are plenty of disruptions in our future. Now, not all disruptions are holy. Sometimes life just takes a wrong turn, and we have to manage it and endure it and live through it as best we can. But sometimes those wrong turns, those disruptions are holy. God doing something new. And in those moments, we need to follow Mary's example to trust that God is calling, to allow joy to find its way into the world in us and through us, and to say with great hope and no small amount of courage, let it be. Let it be. Amen.